Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Dairy Gold Agri, your solution to all your farm needs. Welcome to our programme, the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme for Saturday 28th of December 2019. I'm John O'Connor. Thank you if you've tuned in during 2019. Coming up in our programme this morning, later on, we rebroadcast some recent advice for year-end and New Year 2020 by Chagask Advisors and the ICMSA regarding preparations for calving, nitrate declaration deadline, TB compensation reduction. But first, Minister of State at the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Andrew Doyle TD, has recently met the Association of Farm and Forestry Contractors in Ireland, FCI, to discuss current issues with licensing of forestry operations in Ireland. The FCI delegation was led by its Chief Executive Officer, Mr Michael Moroni, and it represents independent forestry contractors in Ireland. The Minister updated the FCI on latest changes to the Department's approval process for forestry planting. Minister Doyle also acknowledged that forestry contractors were going through some difficulties as a result of the slowdown in issuing of licences, but he assured the forestry contractors that everything possible was being done to alleviate the issues. The meeting on 23rd of December 2019 discussed the future outlook for this sector, including how unused forestry felling licences currently in circulation could be harnessed to alleviate current issues. Minister Doyle acknowledged the independent forestry contractor being central to the success of the Irish forestry sector and of the importance of harnessing considerable investment in skills and machinery. Minister Doyle said the interdependence of the forestry sector from the forestry plantation owner to the processor would be key to its future. From his department's point of view, they were committed to continue working with FCI on improving the issuing of new licences. And Minister Doyle said he wanted to assure all forestry contractors that no effort was being spared in this regard. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Miss Gronia Hurley, B&T Dairy Advisor, Chagask Advisory Services, Codrum McCroom in County Cork. Gronia, welcome to the programme. The oncoming removal of chlorine-based cleaning products from the wash routine on dairy farms. The Board of Arnua passed a resolution at the end of 2018 stating that all chlorine-based detergents should be removed from the Irish dairy industry. And it's, it's everywhere across that, not just on dairy farms, but all the way up from the farm, up to the food, through the processing plants, all through the food chain. So just to remove chlorine so that the Irish milk and dairy products could comply with new EU regulations that have come in and customer specifications in relation to chlorine residues in food. Chlorine is a fantastic detergent sterilizer. 
you know, walk into a place where, where you get that smell that you know that, that this place is, is very clean. However, chlorine residue has been causing problems in foods in the last number of years. Um, and chlorine is associated with two residues. The first residue is a product called trichloromethane, or TCM, as we, as we know from. And back in 2007, this residue was found. It's difficult when this residue is found, it's difficult to process. And Ireland wants to maintain good markets. So it, what it happens when, that, when you're washing your milk and you don't rinse out the milk from your plant better, the milk then comes in contact with the chlorine. So, um, so if milk is not rinsed out from the milk and it comes in contact with the chlorine, it forms its TCMs. And this is what was happening on farms and in milk processing plants. So nationally, our TCM levels have dropped dramatically and we are at target levels. But again, it's critical that Ireland maintains its high milk quality um, to maintain our good markets. The other residue um, the dairy industry is concerned about in more recent times is a residue called chlorate. And chlorate is a byproduct found really from the degradation of the chlorine product. So where chlorine isn't stored properly, um, so if it's stored for too long or if it's stored incorrectly or used incorrectly, this residue can can form. And it's a residue that affects baby powders. So again, the source of where chlorate could accumulate, again, happens in the milk process on the dairy farm. It can happen in the processing plant, or it can even happen where you're mixing baby formula with milk in, in, in consumption in private homes. So for these reasons, chlorine-based detergents will be removed from the Irish dairy industry um, in, in, in just over 12 months, so from the, the uh, 1st of January 2021, so that Ireland can continue to produce high-quality milk. And it's milk, like our milk supplies 15% of the world's baby powder, so it's quite important that you know we make sure ensure that we continue to have high milk quality and, and, and to maintain those um, good markets as well. So does that mean, after the date you've mentioned there, that milk turning up will be rejected by your local co-op? Is that the bottom line on this? We don't want to find any residues in our milk that could affect our markets down the road as well, like, you know, and again, to ensure that we are getting, uh, continue to have those good markets. So the chlorine products won't be available um, to, for the farmers or, or to process to, to use, like, you know, it's going to eliminate that part of, of the issue in any kind of supply chain. But I'm sure Chagask and the local co-ops, uh, the co-ops in the various areas, will be outlining very, very clearly to their members, to their suppliers, the deadline for chlorine. We know that um, every dairy farmer will not be able to use chlorine detergents from the 1st of January 2021. They, you know, they will not be available. And again, farmers have really a little over 12 months to change the product they're using to wash their bulk tanks and their plants at the moment. But again, it'll be more important that they know what to change to also and, and how to change their bulk tanks and their milking products. That's going to be key um, going forward as well, is, is what to do and how to do it. I mean, in terms of products going forward, um, it's going to be important to, to remove a chlorine-based cleaning product from the milking plant um, cleaning protocol and to replace this with products such as sodium hydroxide, which is a caustic product, or acid-based detergents. So I suppose, again, to be key, you know, to get these methods, so farmers must also minimise storage. So again, that they must, again, purchase products more frequently. And again, this information will come through their co-ops as well and where they're purchasing their products. Again, just be buying products um, more regularly rather than bulk um, purchasing products every year. Um, again, detergents, information such as this, detergents, products should be stored 
um, under cool, dark conditions, you know, and they should not be out in in, in direct um, sunlight, for example. So that's going to be important how, how farmers store it, like, you know. Um, and again, for, there's other products we made available. They are out there at the moment, like, you know, getting this information out there, like, for example, where farms are cleaning clusters and, you know, for example, in wells. That, again, there's other products such as parasitic acid. And again, we know that very strongly these products are very safe in food. And they break down um, in very safe and environmentally friendly manner. So again, the information is out there. Um, but again, it's going to be um, uh, uh, to how to what best products to use and how best to use as well. It's important. Very important. People would be aware that if they have uh, chlorine wash type uh, material in store, there is a date by which this can't be used anymore. And just to remind us again about the Arnua date. Yes, that's right. So again. Um, Two parts again. The, the new day come in that again that no that that farms will have to go chlorine free on any detergents will be the first of January 2021. So we, we literally have a little over 12 months, you could say, um, to switch over from chlorine based detergents to chlorine free based detergents. So again, that date that I can know is, is, is you could say the first January 2021. Like no, um, so again, it'll be important for farmers at this stage and listening to this that when they are buying products is to think about changing from. Um, using a chlorine-based product to go into a chlorine-free chlorine based product and to start moving now and getting used to that process, you know. Um, and it's important that where farmers are going to buy the products, but they're only buying them in the next few months. They're not bulk buying um, uh, 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 detergents that are going to last for the next year or two, like, no. Because, again, the storage of these products is going to be critical that we're only buying in the short term that because there'll be a degradation of these products and that would lead to the um, uh, poor use of the clean mechanism of the product and again could build up residue. So it's important again that we only use these products and we only buy these products um, only for a short few months ahead of us. And responsible farmers should take action immediately to change away from the chlorine type wash even though we have a year or so Responsible people would say they'll change immediately. Yes, that's right. Um, because this this is coming down the road, and I think you know it's important that farmers. Um, it's a big change on farm. Um, we, we've been used to using a, a chlorine-based detergent for years and years. We've become quite dependent, really, um, and it's kept you know it's kept our, our plants nice and clean and it's kept milk quality. Be. But again, we must um, because this legislation is coming. We have to change with it. So but again, you know what I kind of advise farmers to do, um, you know, is start with the bulk tank, you know, um, that's the first starting point, that 70% of the issues of milk quality on farms starts in the bulk tank and the bulk tank is quite easy to clean it's 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 all, it's nearly all steel so there's very little rubber areas that can hide that, that bacteria, so again start with the bulk tank get your technician out to make sure that they recalibrate the bulk tank because again, the auto wash, because where, where you're changing over to a different product um, you're going to have to use more product. So again, you have to recalibrate the bulk tank. So that's the first thing. It's, like, it, it, it's not just saying, I'm going to change from a chlorine product to chlorine-free. You must, there's methods of way of getting it to work properly. So get out your, contact your technician to the bulk tank and get that person in to recalibrate the auto wash for, it, for the charging for the bulk tank. Um, the second point in that again is make start of it. And it will be absolutely critical going forward is hot water. You have to have hot water for washing properly where you, where you will not be use, using a chlorine detergent. 
So it's critical that any hot water go into your bulk tank or your parlor has to be at least 75-80% temperature going in for the wash. And then when, this, when that water is dumped at the end of the wash, it has to be coming out around 50 degrees. Because if that hot water is not hot enough, it will not remove the fats in, inside, in the, inside the steel. And the fats actually end up sticking back onto the plant. And that's where you're going to get milk quality issues on the road. So it's absolutely critical for any farm thinking about this, get your hot water right. And that might mean maybe that have you, is your water heater going to be an issue? So I think the first steps for fellas, talk, listen to always, um, start with your bull tank, get that right first. Um, so uh, talk to your local um, crop milk quality advisor and they'll recommend maybe products that would be suitable for you. Get your, someone out to look at your bull tank, get that recalibrated, make sure it's the, the right volume of product is being used and then get your hot water, um, get the right temperature hot water and make sure you have the right volume of hot water going as well. So start in that area first. Speaking to Ms. Gronia Hurley, B&T Dairy Advisor, Chagask Advisory Services, Codra McCroom in County Cork. Any key practices which you've left out which you might like to add on reflection to what you already said? Very helpful pointers for farmers. It can be quite complex. You know, you go to plenty walks and, and we're talking about different wash routines and different products. And, you know, it can be quite complex and you know, so I, I, you know, and again, milk quality, it's, it's something that we're producing on farm, it's, it's, you know, and again, it's, it's vital to get that quality right. So go and get advice on it, you know. Go down to your dairy, go milk advisor, wherever your local crop uh, milk advisor, they're there to help. Um, get them out in your farm, maybe. And they'll talk through, they, they, they might look at your milk truck or your wash truck, they might say, that's too small. They might look at your um, water heater and if the size could be right or test temperature for it for you and you know so to get that advice and get them out once and look you know maybe an hour or two visit could do a lot like you know so look, the, the, there's a lot of people out there in terms of milk advisors tax advisors so give them a call go through what you have like you know because look you know this thing look if it's done right it won't be an issue but again it's to get the right information really it's going to be critical so contact your local milk advisor from the co-op and have a chat go through maybe the products that they advise you to work through Again, I go back to your bull tank. Start with your bull tank. Don't start with the bull tank and the plant. Start simply with the bull tank. See how you get on with that. And again, the hot water, I can't stress, John, how important the hot water is going to be. Um, so again, take a look at that. Just even before you start moving, first step, go back and just look, is your water hot enough? Is your water 75, 8 degrees? Um, and again, just start with those and, and then again move. So it's a good time to look at it now that you can do the hot water now contact your local milk advisor and just talk and get the information that's out there Thank you Gronia. Miss Gronia Hurley B&T Dairy Advisor Chagask Advisory Services Codra McCroom in County Cork Mr Dennis Drennan Chairperson of the ICMSA Farm and Rural Affairs Committee has reminded farmers of the 31st of December 2019 nitrates reporting deadline Dennis welcome to the programme Just reminder like that a lot of people like forget about their paperwork and all those kind of things at this time of year a lot of festive activities going on you know a lot of people winding down milk and parlors drying off the last of the cows and these those sort of things and they're busy with farm work around the yard uh, and stay away from offices but it's vitally important that people who will say who have exported slurry during the year uh, to report that to the authorities in Johnstown Castle or anybody who's taking short-term leasing of land uh, you know, to, to ease the burden on their nitrate regulations, that they would uh, fill out the necessary forms or do it online and get go, that get that information into Johnstown Castle because the deadline is the 31st of December and if that deadline is missed, there's no real way back and you would be incurring penalties under the nitrates regulations. 
you feel the current penalty regime is uh, rather cumbersome and indeed uh, unfair. Well, it's just looking, especially on a year like this where it was difficult, you know, somebody holding on to a couple of cull cows or, or something like that for an extra week or two because or a month at this in the, or two months on a year like this that, they, you know, they may not have been have the opportunity to, you know, get those animals into a factory. And, uh, you know, a small thing like that might be enough to drive them over either the 170 limit if they're not in derogation or at the 250 limit if they are in derogation. So that's why we're putting out the reminder this year, especially that because of the, the backflow, backlog with the factories and that, to, you know, to, to get cull cows off farm and that it may be a bigger issue this year than other years so just look for people just to contact their advisor or go online themselves or whatever they normally whatever means they normally have of checking just to check it and make sure that if they need to put in any of these forms that they're done in a timely manner rather than appealing something after christmas that would be much easier and much simpler for everybody to uh, have it done in the in the correct time frame and in the day-to-day rush, people might forget something very important, that they must include any additional measure, such as having rented additional land which hadn't been included in their BPS uh, basic payment scheme applications. Well, the first thing to check, I suppose, is how their nitrates is for this year, and that's available online up until, I think, it was the 31st of October. Uh, their, their, their nitrogen statement until then was available, and to just maybe calculate what they've had on the farm for the last two months and see how they're fixed. And if they're below the limits, ever is okay but if they're above the limits that there is a number of, of measures that they may have taken part in to ease, ease the burden of nitrates on their farm and you know it could have been short-term grazing or it could have been exportation of slurry to a neighboring farm that was under the limits and just to make sure that's recorded with the department to avoid any penalties on the department's website you have all the relevant forms and paperwork etc and if you are familiar with this internet and the online system, you can, in fact, do everything online and then you know it's immediately in the hands of the authorities and all online. Check things out online. Yeah, it's, it's well worth look at. I mean, anybody who's familiar with the iGov.ie website, it's, it's, pretty simple. it's pretty simple to check up on your um, your nitrates for the year. Like, But, I mean, look at it. It's, it's, a, it's a matter of the Chagas offices or the, the private planners or the whoever is doing your, your nitrates or your derogation or your, uh, you know, whatever forms are necessary, whoever is doing that, it's a two-minute job for, for somebody who's familiar with the system to, first of all, find out, do you need to send in any of these forms? And if you don't, well, that's good. A five-minute phone call may save you an awful lot of hassle in the new year. Something that's not directly related to this uh, topic, the fact the Minister has allocated funding for calf welfare, I presume you would welcome that as a, a step in the right direction? Absolutely. Well, we would be urging all farmers. I mean, most 99% of farmers, like every other occupation, 99% of farmers, or probably 99.9% of farmers, uh, animal welfare is not an issue on their farm. We're farmers, and, and we want to look after the animals. That's our job, is to look after our animals. Uh, and we would urge all farmers just at the moment, things are a little bit quieter on farms around Christmas and the New Year before the, 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 the mayhem starts in January or February, where all these newborn animals are arriving on farm. So if we could, if just everybody could have a look at their situation, see are they in a position to hold on to their calves and look after the calves properly. And like this is a welcome, this is a welcome initiative by the minister to um, allocate funding to help people to make sure that they have the proper facilities in place. Uh, so look at everybody needs to sit down over the Christmas and New Year's and take stock of what their 
facilities are like and what their, their, their equipment is like. And, uh, you know, it's a welcome initiative that we, we can get a 40% grant to purchase the necessary equipment to make sure that there's no animal welfare issues on any farm this spring. Speaking to Mr. Dennis Drennan, Chairperson, ICMSA Farm and Rural Affairs uh, Committee. Dennis, of course, the amount allocation will be 1.5 million euro. Not a great amount in the scheme of things, but certainly an indication of the Minister's understanding you know, this uh, 1.5 million euro grant aid support package for calf feeding systems. It certainly will benefit uh, your members, I would imagine. Thanks a million, Dennis. Thank you very much. Minister Michael Creed has also taken the opportunity to remind people again of the risk of African swine fever, ASF, spreading to the pig sector in this country. And he has appealed to people travelling over the Christmas period to do all they can to prevent the introduction of this very serious disease, ASF, African swine fever, into Ireland. The minister said anyone coming back from ASF, African swine fever, affected countries over the Christmas holidays should not bring back pork products such as hams or salami. Minister Creed went on to say that the virus that causes ASF can survive for months in cooked or cured meats and which, if fed to pigs accidentally or otherwise, can cause this disease. The minister reminded all those people who are keeping pigs themselves, even if only one or two pigs, quote, not to feed waste food to pigs. A simple ham sandwich, salami or meat product could bring this disease to our doorstep and it would be devastating for the Irish pig sector. The minister pointed out that African swine fever continues to spread across the globe. He said the disease kills nearly all pigs it affects and has serious consequences for pig farmers, also for meat processors and exporters in affected countries. Ten European Union member states are now affected by this disease, as well as many other non-European Union countries, including China, which is one of the largest producers of pig meat in the world. However, Minister Creed did emphasise there is no food safety or public health risk for humans, but an outbreak of the disease would have an enormous economic impact on our pig industry. Ireland, he pointed out, has almost 1.7 million pigs and pig meat exports were worth €666 million Euro in 2018 to the Irish national economy. Mr Barry Cassidy, news correspondent with the Journal, points out that the fall in beef prices has hit TB compensation. Barry spoke to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme about this fall in TB compensation. Is the, is the effect of, of beef price, low beef price particularly on farmers' incomes. I suppose what we've seen now is, is that's beginning to spread to other areas uh, of farmers, uh, to farmers as well. Like, I suppose the TB, I've heard, I suppose to go into it a little bit, it's, it's the TB compensation itself. I mean, for any farmer who know, who's been locked up with TB, they know the importance of, of being paid for losing those reactors. And, and, and I suppose ultimately most farmers would, would agree that that compensation scheme doesn't come close to, um, to, to compensating them for what, for the effects of that. Um, but what we've seen this year has been a bit of a drop-off in the value of, of what farmers are being paid for those reactors. Uh, and that's simply as a, as a product of how the, that, that scheme is paid. So it, it's partially based on what the valuer believes is the value and then what the factory pays for the animal itself when it's slaughtered. And obviously with it, with a lower beef price will result in a lower, a lower price paid for farmers out of the factories. And what we've seen there has been a drop-off as a result in, in the compensation farmers are receiving. There is another factor which you point to, the GDA. What exactly is the, the GDA? Yeah, so that's known as the gross differential amount. So I suppose 
the, the way it works and, and any farmer who's, who's gone down with TV will be well aware of this process so uh, a valuer arrives on farm and, and takes a look at the reactors and decides what exactly that farm, that animal will be worth on today's market uh, had he not have TB. So that places the market value on the animal. That animal then has to go for slaughter and that's where the farmer will receive their salvage value, which is the element of what the factory pays. And in between that, you have the gross differential amount. So this is the amount that the Department of Agriculture agrees to pay uh, on top of what the farmer received from the factory check uh, to bring the, the animal up to its market value. Almost €14 million Euro has been paid out uh, to date for reactors. How many animals will that cover? The average uh, value paid for an animal so far this year has been €1,234 per animal, uh, and that's across 11,176 animals, which brings you to that, 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 that total you pointed out is of almost €14 million. So while we've seen a drop-off in, in actual reactors this year, we've actually seen an increase in the we're likely to see an increase in the amount of money paid out to farmers. Now, on the other side of that, I suppose farmers will still argue that that, that money isn't really even you know close enough to compensate them for what they need. And um, farmers ultimately are paying about 18 million into the TV program, so I suppose there's a net contribution of farmers to that program. Uh, but it's something I suppose that we're likely to see change in terms of the department has a TV strategy that's due for publication. Uh, shortly, and that's looking at eradicating TV up to 2030. Farmers will be subject to perhaps a, a twice yearly TB test. I think that's on the cards. Well, not quite as extreme as, as two TB tests in the year, but uh, Europe has looked at our progress and our progress over the last three years in eradicating TB has stalled. Uh, the European Union does provide a certain element of funding and they set down legislation over what targets need to be achieved, and, and currently we're not meeting those. So this is across a range of, of different uh, diseases and across a range of different countries. Each one has its own unique. You know, I suppose TB is a big one in Ireland. And so the European Union has said, right, OK, your progress has stopped for the last three years. We need to, have to take a look at a way of how we're going to improve that. And the suggestion they came up with was a, a TB test. And then if an animal were to move six months after that test were completed, uh, it would require a pre-movement test or a post-movement test on the individual animals rather than the whole herd. But uh, look, that is going to be an extra cost in terms of a vet will have to come out and carry out that test. Uh, but look, it's still only a proposal at EU level at this point. What will ultimately come out, a lot of it will be determined by the department's actual TV strategy. But they're trying to be proactive in this and move ahead of the EU rather than the EU, you know, setting down some legislation where they might be a little bit more heavy handed and perhaps not as sensitive to Irish conditions because they're looking at 27 countries, not just Ireland. So I suppose the department is trying to get ahead of that. People will point to a number of false stones. We can only hope the new deadline set by the department, working in conjunction with the EU, will be met, because this is something that has dragged on for so long. Taxpayers wonder, is there enough desire there to see it finally and utterly eradicated? Oh, look, it's, it's not just a taxpayer point of view. You know, farmers have brought, had that view for a long time as well. Like the TV pro- programme takes 92 million every year to run. If, if we run to 20, if we run the way we're going at the moment, the rate of progress, you know, another billion euro will be spent on this programme before we see TB eradicated. So currently where we have is we have around 3,000 hertz every year go down with TB. Now that is vastly, vastly improved on where we have been and the number of reactors, which is normally around 14,000 a year, is vastly improved on where we have been. But I suppose the, the thing about it is, is 3,000 hertz is 3,000 hertz too many. Um, so that's why there is this new impetus to bring out a new strategy in order to, to cut that timeline and ultimately achieve eradication of TB by 2030. 
Thank you, Mr. Barry Cassidy, for your article there, a review of your article. Fall in beef price uh, hits TB compensation, and also a TB-linked article by your colleague Hannah Quinn Mulligan on the same page, page 12, Irish Farmers Journal, Saturday, 7th of December, TB progress stalls in Monaghan. Thank you, Barry. Thank you, John. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr Edmund Moakley, Dairy Advisor with the Chagask office in Mallow. First of all, Edmund, welcome to the programme. Hello, John. Successful calving and getting calves over those first uh, very important few hours. Preparation of calving, first and foremost, especially with cows in the herd, is drying off cows. If you look at farmers that are using dry therapy, now, I would be hoping that they've got sensitivity tests done and they've picked out the codes that they may be using selective dry therapy on, but there's going to be codes that are getting dry therapy. So just being conscious of the withdrawal period. So the likes of Boverclocks, you're looking at 49 days. Noroclocks can drop down to 35 days, but more common ones in like Keprovan, you can be looking at 54 days withdrawal, which is over the period we have at this moment in time. So just being conscious of that, so drawing off the codes, getting the correct um, condition, get, get, getting the codes dried off correctly, um, which is difficult, I suppose, with cows, hose and things. So having cubicles dry, having the yard clean, and long the time to do it, and having good lighting in, um, in the facilities. Following on to that, then, John, as you touched on, for, so prep for calving. I suppose 1st of February hits fast every year. Um, we have Christmas, dairy farmers, which I deal, deal with, let's say, get a break for a couple of weeks over Christmas. And the next thing is you get from the middle of January into the start of February, cows start calving. And I suppose with EBI and the advances that are being made in fertility and with bull gestation and sort of getting somewhat short on some cases, so calves are hitting ground earlier. And the calving, the targets that we set out in targets of 90% in six weeks, it's been achieved in a lot of farms that I'm dealing with now, John. So it's a busy time. Um, that's why taking advantage of the quiet period between now and the new year. And if there is a quiet period, if they get a couple of days off just to get on top of what's needed in the calf house, organising the calf house, moving out bits of machinery that might be still inside her, um, freeing channels, ensuring the gates are hanging properly, ensuring the water tracks are working. Simple things, just go in, assess it, see what needs to be done, rather than trying to do it in the weeks coming up to the end of January and into the start of February, let's say, where people end up firefighting and it takes a lot of time, it's time consuming. So just put a bit of time into it now and a bit of thought and planning and make it a bit easier on yourselves. 
We turn now to soil fertility, reviewing your soil fertility and the role of uh, soil sampling in all of this. Just get out, take the soil samples for people who haven't done in recent years. Familiarise yourself with the fertility status of the farm. Okay, I think every farmer in recent years has begun to realise the importance of it. It's the cheapest feed we've available. You take it back to 2018 where we had a very poor grass growth. People see the extra costs and the way that it hit the performance of the, of the farm. So like having soil fertility right, or knowing what your soil fertility status is, allows you to correct it and have the soil fertility right. Be it getting out with slurry on that ground or getting out with the correct compounds in relation to P and K and then the all-important lime, being able to get that out on the fields that need it and get it out effectively. A lot of farms have a lime deficit and it tends to be the case on heavier farms that the lime is required even more. I suppose like in a changing times where we're moving from more can products to urea and protected urea more so let's say these can be harder on the ph and it's very important to get the lime out to correct that ph so that you get the optimum availability of nitrogen p and k right it came out recently there about our water qualities and it's being raised that they're declining but i suppose from a farmer's perspective the only thing a farmer can do is look inside your own farm gate know what your soil fertility status is and put out the nutrients according to those products of what they need. That's what most farmers do. In derogation, there's a very um, comprehensive plan done for the farms. There will be a requirement put to those farmers, let's say, to get soil samples because there's a requirement to do them once every four years and it's on a set block ground. But like for every farmer, anyone who is um, grassland farming, it is very important to know what the soil fertility status is and just correct it. The lime facilitates the release of the useful functions of other parts of the soil. The lime, it just frees up the soil at, um, at the optimum pH, which for grassland farms is around 6.3 to 6.5, and it makes the phosphorus, the potash, which are all um, critical for grass growth, and the nitrogen more available. And what it does is it's available to the plant. It's not getting leached, it's getting lost. And I suppose any of the P's and K's, so like soil would naturally hold and bind a certain amount of P's and K's, so by putting out lime, what you're doing is you're releasing that P and K to the plant to allow for good grass growth or for other crops as well, depending on the pH required. Getting towards the end of the year, financial review and e-profit monitor. So the role of the financial review in letting you know what the situation is, even if it's um, good, bad or indifferent. So the financial review and the role of the e-profit monitor, Edmund. The e-profit monitor... It's a tool that has been around for a good while in Tagusk. Um, in recent years, there has been pushed through the KT scheme. It was made compulsory and people had to do it. Let's end. People don't always like doing it, I'll admit. But what a farmer needs to remember is farming is a business. Yes, it's a way of life. It's something people are fortunate they can do. But at the end of the day, you have to make ends meet. You have to make a return from it. Um, if something isn't adding up, you have to question it and look at it. And if you keep doing the same thing and you're expecting a different result... It's not going to be the case. So the profit monitor is there. It breaks down the expenditure. It breaks down the income. Um, it looks at the land that's rented. It looks like the land that's owned. It looks at what milk is sold to the co-op, what milk may be used for calves, let's say for beef, let's say, or for the replacement heifers. And it gives you an opportunity then to break down relative to other farmers that would be very similar circumstances or maybe even look at it nationally. So do a comparison on what the cost percent per litre or per hectare or per cow of the fertiliser um, ration, the contractor. Do you know the main bills? Take it down to the veterinary, take it down to breeding. 
So I suppose what I want to say, John, is to people, there's a very useful tool there for most um, dairy farmers would be signed up to ICBF Hard Plus. And within applications on Hard Plus, there's an e-profit monitor input sheet. So a lot of the information such as milk sold and animal sold through the marts and the factories would be available on that. But just to go into that application, so it's in applications inside your ICBF Hard Plus um, screen server or such, and input in your costs. So they can be broke down. Some of them may be taken off the accounts, which may be completed to date. But in other cases, you'll need to look at the statements from the local suppliers, let's say, and fill them in accordingly. The more time that the farmer puts into it, and the more they question themselves on it generally, the better the return they get out of it. Like, most farmers I know get most return out of it themselves. It's not about benchmarking themselves or saying I'm better than you or whatnot or going into the discussion group and being able to say the lowest cost of production. It's about being realistic. It's about um, asking yourself, how much money am I making? How much more can I afford to spend? If something needs to be rectified, if there's an issue with uh, minerals or there's an issue with soil fertility or something and that cost is going to go up for a particular year, is the money in the system to do it? And by knowing what your cost of production is, you'll know how much of a margin is there to be able to put in those increased costs or if there isn't scope to do so in a given year. Now, turning to cross-compliance, making sure that you get all of those scheme benefits you're entitled to. So when we turn to people you're trying to prepare for cross-compliance, the visit of the inspector, they're busy as it is, but at the same time, cross-compliance and checking out if you're complying with all the conditions of the various schemes you may be involved in. So if we had to sum it up, looking at uh, farmyards, cross-compliance and easing, being prepared as much as you can for cross-compliance as it applies to your farmyard. So, John, I suppose, look, as we say, you'd be hoping it's a quieter time in a lot of yards, let's say, once the cows are dried off, there's a bit of free time there, let's say, but just to give the odd day in the yard, go around the things. We've had an awful lot of rainfall, um, being conscious of water going into tanks that shouldn't be going into tanks, let's say cutting down it because not alone with the open period will come in from the middle of January on. But it's a huge cost and it's filling up storage, let's say. So just being conscious of it and um, watching that. Checking tags on cows, checking tags on wanlings, checking tags on the bulls, just ensuring that they're in place, um, addressing them. Maybe touch up on the records that people in recent months or during the summer months didn't get fully on top of so just get things up to speed coming up to the end of the year and going back checking your fertilizer plan being familiar with your being familiar with what storage you've available being familiar with the number of animals that you can actually carry on the land base that you have so just asking questions and digging in i suppose look there is department inspections ongoing all the while and it's very important for the farmer just to be aware of what their obligations are and if there is anything that you're concerned about, maybe just to ring ourselves in Tagus or your, your local advisor, let's say, and ask the questions and be comfortable with where you're at. The end of the year celebration, farm safety, it's always there and it's there at New Year. As an advisor, it can be, let's say, farming is a way of life, as we were saying earlier on. And the thing about it is it's a great way of life. But the thing is just to be careful. Um, I suppose over Christmas, you know, as I said, things are more relaxed and more casual. You can can become the same yourself and the thing about or you might be flying in trying to get out for a night or things like that just being conscious that things can go wrong and think twice before you do things that you normally wouldn't do or even be careful where you're going making sure that the lights are working properly around the yard and the same going into the calving season look just rethink things be careful about them um, if there's anything that you know needs doing to make it safer try and put the time aside in order to do so
it can happen to anyone, young or old. The thing about it is every farm is getting stretched because farms have been taken on a lot. More, let's say, and labour isn't as available as it would have been, let's say, in my childhood and previous years as such. But our help, let's say, family members aren't around or busier. But, yes, just um, being careful, uh, thinking about things that you do, having things safe, putting people at stuff that are competent to do so. Um, as you say, younger or older people, let's say, uh, that they're not in their own cattle driving tractors, let's say maybe high-tech machinery they wouldn't be up to speed with. Um, the reality is, like, we see figures that are publicised about people that are casualties, but for all those casualties, how many more near misses are not reported? Like, everyone, including myself, are going to have close ones from time to time and are not going to say anything about them, but they could very easily have been the opposite as well. So just be careful. Watch what you're doing out there. If there's something that needs to be made safer, try to do so as soon as possible. Try and have a fully charged mobile phone with you. The mobile phone has become a gift. It's become, um, for farmers that are working in isolated areas and things, let's say, uh, it's contact with the outside world, it's be able to get in contact with someone else. And I suppose another very useful thing there, as you said about the mobile phone, is even one of those headland tar- head, um, torches, let's say, that are there, headlamps and such. They're very useful as well, working on dark nights, let's say, when you've um, dark mornings and dark nights that you have good vision at all times as such when I'm working out on the boat. Thank you very much indeed, Mr Edmund Moakley, Chagas Dairy Advisor with, with the Mallow Chagas Office. And we take this opportunity wishing you personally, Edmund, and all your colleagues in Chagas a very prosperous new year. John, thank you and many happy returns to you and all your listeners. And that's our programme for this morning, the final edition for 2019. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to John Foot on Controls. A happy, peaceful and prosperous new year 2020 to you, the listener, and thank you for tuning in during 2019. The next Farm Talk programme is scheduled for New Year's Day evening, 1st of January 2020, between 10pm and 11pm. Thanks for listening. Dairy Gold Agri, your solution to all your farm needs.